Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Eternity's End. Eternity's End is an international power-slash-speedmill band founded in 2014. They've released the album Embers of War this year, their strongest effort to date. And here is my interview with Eternity's End. Hello, Christian. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, my friend? Pretty good, pretty good. Quite busy. I'm uh, right now taking a break from uh, recording guitars for my other band, Alkaloid. So, uh, yeah, constantly keeping busy, so all good. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Yes, thanks for the invitation, man. It's, it's my pleasure. And congratulations on the album. It's a great one. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. So, so happy to hear this. How was the recording process for you? Oh, well, it, I mean, you probably talk about it with regards to the pandemic, you know, it um, yes. it hasn't really changed much from how we usually do it. I mean, with this album, this band is now more like a real band because now we all live close together. I mean, our singer still lives in another country, but he can fly in for cheap and we can get together and rehearse. And it, it's a real band, whereas on the first two albums, it was more like an international project where people were living on three, four different continents. But uh, the recording process itself wasn't different than we used to do it in the past. I mean, everyone has their own home studios at home. So I would usually, after I finished writing a track, make a demo of the track. And then when the demos were finished to the demos, then our drummer Hannes would record the final drums. Then I would redo the guitars then send it to the bass player. He would do the bass from there, you know, and then working on the vocals. The only problem was um, we would have liked to record Yuri's vocals in Hannes' studio here in Germany. But uh, because of the pandemic and travel restrictions back in the day, it wasn't really possible, right? So we did this all over, like like he was recording in his studio in, in Lisbon in Portugal. And he always sent me the tracks through WhatsApp Messenger. I was listening back to them. I was saying, yeah, this is cool, but maybe change this here and there, right? So we kind of had to make use a little bit of uh, modern technology. But all in all, um, actually, when the pandemic started and I was in the middle of the songwriting, in a way, um, it slowed things down for me a little bit. It, it took some pressure off in a way because there was no gigs and no shows coming and nothing. So I was like, yeah, I can really fine tune everything the way I want to do. Nothing had to be rushed and I could take all the time I wanted um, for this album. And I think it did the album really well. So, so I mean, of course, there's a lot of negative things to be said about about the whole situation. But um, in terms of the of the creative process, it it was quite nice not to have any shows or tours on the horizon for a longer time and, and just be able to work on the songwriting. I wanted to ask you about my three favorite songs on the album. I wanted to know if you could speak on the title track. Yeah, so I think it's, it's probably my favorite song. I think my favorite song on the album is Bane of the Black Sword. It's probably my favorite. And Hounds of Tinderloss and then maybe the title track, I think, yeah, because it's the first time we've done like a semi-epic kind of song, right, with almost 10 minutes length. I wanted to write a song that has like several acts, like because, you know, the song doesn't really follow the typical, you know, uh, chorus, uh, a verse, chorus, solo structure. It's more progressive in nature. There's a lot of like elements in there that you would more associate in the beginning with like technical thrash metal there's even a little bit of like a black metal atmosphere in the beginning right but then it, it moves mm -hmm. into this kind of blind guardian kind of thing with its 
the weird structure that the second verse is very different from the first one. You get guitar interludes in different places. It slows down in the middle, then takes up the pace. And there's a lot of like very thrash metal inspired moments there. So that's probably, this was the first time we did something like that because um, on the older album, we didn't really have a long track in that format. And um, I, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I'm, I'm really happy with how this one turned out, especially uh, I think because we managed to put some elements in there that you don't usually find in power metal that much, right? A lot of power metal bands are only influenced by other power metal bands. But on this song, you can hear that we you know a lot of like technical thrash metal, black metal and all that kind of stuff. And the influence is there in a subtle way. So that's what I really like about this song. I also uh, want to ask you about Arturus Prime. The mm -hmm. lead in that song is absolutely amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Um, how did that come to you? You mean like you mean you mean the you mean the chorus or the vocal melody or the riffing or, or, or which particular um, the part? Riffing. How the riffing, how the guitar work come to you for that song? Yeah, well, it's normally it's 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 very similar to how I always write. I mean, when I write a song, I usually sit down, I just brainstorm riffs with the guitar, you know. And um, I think, but I actually think that this song started more with the drum patterns in mind. I think I started programming the drum patterns, which were inspired by a couple of other songs from other bands that I liked. And then I wrote riffs on top of these drum patterns, right? And I was brainstorming, basically. And uh, usually once I have the very first idea, it moves very quickly from there. I mean, I was I was influenced a lot on this song by um, a little bit like Razor X stuff, you know, where, the, where they had like some like technical difficulties and things like that. But then I wanted to have like an Iron Savior type chorus. There's a little bit of Annihilator, I think, in the riffing. So it was it was really usually just brainstorming. Usually when I when I come up with one riff that I find very strong, and I think in that song it was the very first riff that comes after the um, guitar intro, after the fast picking. Um, this was the first riff that I had for the song. And usually what I do is like I, I then you know write down the parameters of the riff, like the tempo and the key and stuff like that. And then when I continue the brainstorming, I kind of limit myself to those parameters, right, to see that it would fit to that. And um, and then it really, really worked very quickly. I mean, there's a couple of things in that song that you you wouldn't detect where the inspiration actually came from if you wouldn't know it, right? There's like this um, there's like this section in the middle that comes before the guitar solo trade-offs, which is almost like a fusion or progressive metal kind of section harmonically. But the influence actually came from an Ozzy Osbourne song, from the song um, The Ultimate Sin, right? And I kind of like the progression that Jake Lee did in the solo part. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to take a similar harmonic idea, but then do it in a more modern way with more intense drumming and different pacing and everything. And um, so so that, that's, that's, that's how it usually goes for me, right? So I'm, I'm brainstorming once the first very strong idea is there, then the rest writes itself very easily for me most of the time. And are there any tracks that uh, make the cut? Yeah, yeah. There was um, actually we wrote eleven songs in total, and the album has only eight songs, right? So one of the remaining three is the bonus track for the Japanese edition, and there was another track that we recorded, but I felt it was a good song, but I felt it didn't fit with the rest of the album so much. And if we had put this on the album, it kind of would have made it seem a little bit more bulky and unaccessible, right? And I was like, maybe we use this song in the future in a, in a different form, but it wouldn't, you know, and when I was younger, I always tried to put everything that came to my mind, every idea when I wrote an album and I all had to make it on the album, right? And I had like for this one, 63 minutes of music, but then uh, I was like, 
I was thinking and thinking, and why why do I like certain albums like, for example, Judas Priest Painkiller so much? It's because they're so coherent, right? And there's nothing out of place or too long or anything. And nowadays, I feel like 45 minutes with such high intensity music is a perfect length. You know, if, if anything longer than that, with that much much information going on in the songs, can be tiring to the listener. So yeah, so there was. So that was the Japanese bonus track and the one song that we recorded but didn't use. And there was another another song that uh, I had written in the same writing sessions, but uh, we haven't recorded it yet. So we will see if these other two songs, if they make it on future albums or an EP or if we rework them, uh, I, I don't really know. But yeah, in total, there was 63 minutes of music and we shortened it down to 45 for the album, yeah. I also wanted to ask you: Have you considered doing a uh, instrumental album? I, I I have three actually. I have three solo albums which are all instrumental. So, wow! So I have to check that out. Yeah, because they're self-released, right? They're not they're not on a big label. I mean, the last one was released in Japan through King Records, but uh, yeah, you can find them all in my Bandcamp page. I mean, the first one is out of print, but you can still. Uh, there's still the digital versions are still there. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've, my first instrumental solo album was in. Uh, 2011, I started doing instrumental albums actually before I started Eternity's End, because um, I'm, I'm a huge fan, you know, of these 80s shrapnel albums, you know, Vinnie Moore and uh, Tony McAlpine, Greg Howe, Marty Friedman, that kind of stuff, in a way, of course. And uh, I always want to do something like that. And uh, and on my solo albums, I mean, I, I usually play death metal most of the time before I started Eternity's End, but the solo albums, the first two already existed. And this is where, especially on the first one, where people can hear my power metal and, and heavy metal influence a lot, you know? And um, basically, Eternity's End is kind of like a like a logical um, um, continuation because you would see that the, uh, the the approach is not too different, right? In terms of the in terms of the uh, in terms of the writing. I mean, the second solo album, for example, had the same lineup as the first Eternity's End album, only that on the first Eternity's End album we also had. A singer, of course, and and my second solo album was instrumental. But uh, yeah, so so I've done three. I think the best one was the one from last year, it's from 2020. It's called Path of the Hero. Uh, that's my favorite one. The first one from 2011, people like it, but I can't really listen to it anymore, right? Because there are so many things uh, looking back on it that I would do differently nowadays. But but it's a time document, right? But there's some stuff on there where I do it now. I think, oh man, you know, I could have done that a lot better, and I don't really like that. I released it in that way but it, it is what it is i mean as you grow older as you improve you will always look back on your older works and think okay today from my current experience i would do that differently um but uh, yeah it is what it is so but but the, th the third one i really liked it, the one that was released last year so if you want to check it out this is the one i would recommend the most i definitely uh, will uh i'm very happy and very pleased to you know, while I listen to this, I see your virtuosity as a player. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking, man, this guy has got to do an instrumental. <laughs> I mean, I think if you like Eternity's End, you will like the solo stuff, too, because it's uh, it comes from the same source of inspiration, I would say. Right? Only that, of course, in the, on the instrumental side, there's even more guitar, right? Of course, because it's uh, the guitar dominates, basically, on these albums, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of the artists that inspired you to play? Well, it, when I first started, when I well, I first got into metal or rock or, or like guitar-driven music, the first thing I ever got into was ACDC. I think that's 
for many people, right? And it was in 1991. I was nine years old and my neighbor had the album The Razor's Edge, which had just come out, right, on tape. And from the moment that I heard the intro of Thunderstruck, I was uh, instantly hooked, right? And then I then became a metal fan from that moment on. And then in 93, I saw Iron Maiden in concert. And this was when I decided I want to play guitar, right? I want to do that with my life. And then I got more serious about playing when then a few years later, my first guitar teacher, um, he gave me a copy of Ingo Malmsteen's Fire and Ice album. It was 93, 94, something like that. And when I heard Ingwe for the first time, I was like, okay, this is how far you can take it with a guitar, right? And then from there, I got really, really obsessed with practicing. And then I got into all of the Shrapnel dudes, like uh, Tony McAlpine, Vinnie Moore, you know, uh, Jason Becker, Marty Friedman, Paul Gilbert, Greg Howes. Those people are still on the top of my list when it comes to solo playing. And then, of course, I mean, I got into all those bands with the great riffing, you know, like Running Wild, Annihilator, all that kind of stuff. Because for me, always also the... Not only about the shredding, it's also the rhythm playing. It's also a, a really, really important aspect of, of about guitar playing to me. I got into all of that stuff at the same time, and of course, it expanded from there. You know? I mean, nowadays I could I could mention a million artists, I think, but these ones are the ones that will always stay, right? These, these when I when I listen to that stuff, I still get the same kind of uh, excitement I did back in the day. I think uh, Judas Priest's Painkiller album also was a very, very big influence, just in terms of the uh, of the intensity and, and and the overall package, right? Of kind of uh, um, putting that that virtuoso approach, but in an accessible package, right? With the great songs and the great vocals and and the atmosphere and the heaviness and and the good production and the great riffs and all of that. And uh, so yeah, that's that's the stuff that probably that will always remain and these will always be my heroes. I also wanted to ask you if you could pick your proudest moment as a musician, what would it be? Oh, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think one, one of the proudest moments was, uh, well, there's a thing uh, in, in 2014, Marty Friedman asked me if I uh, wanted to play second guitar in his band for a, for a tour. And I, I, I met with him and he listened to my solo stuff and he was like, man, I really like that song and that, and that stuff is very cool. So kind of getting, I, I mean, you know, usually I'm not really starstruck, but um, because I've met a lot of people that I looked up to over the years, but Marty Friedman was just such a big name to me, you know, since I, since I started playing when I, when I was in school, Megadeth was really, really huge, right, in, in 91, 92. And it was one of my first real guitar heroes. So getting positive feedback from one of my... Uh, Biggest idols and influences. I think that was really one, a really proud and surreal moment. I think, and then and then of course I'm I'm usually always proud when people tell me that it's the music that I made uh, helps them through the day or makes them feel better, or when people tell me that they start playing guitar because of me. Because I always think it's a it's a um, the biggest reward as a musician is is when people tell you that you have been uh, a positive influence to their life in one way or another, right? And I think this is always a very humbling experience. And uh, what can fans look for next? Well, um, right now we, we try, I mean, we have a couple of shows booked with Attorneys End for next year. Let's hope they will happen because of the COVID situation. I mean, I've, I've, I've toured a lot with all my other bands, but with Attorneys End, we, we never really toured because we had this international lineup and it was never log logistically and financially possible. But for now, that's the plan. And we are also already um, collecting 
material for a new album. And of course, I'm, I'm recording right now with my other band Alkaloid and, and then I'm preparing for the tour with Obscura, which is supposed to happen in February, even though I don't know if it will because of COVID, no? But um, so these are the things that are on the horizon. Uh, some people ask me if I, if I want to do a new solo record, but there's no plans for that right now. So I, I want to focus on the bands for the moment. And I also want to ask you, speaking of the road, since you spent time on the road, um, do you have a funny stories that you road stories that you can give me? Oh man, yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, oh man, it's 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 been so many over the years. Um, uh, uh, yeah, well, once one thing I remember was. Uh, Quite quite embarrassing story. Actually, we were in we were on tour with Obscura in 2011 in the in the US. It was November December 2011, so 10 years ago now. And we were driving with one of these these vans, you know, with a U-Haul uh, trailer. And uh, it was a pretty big van. We we were like I think yeah we were five people, so the four of us in the band and our driver was driving and doing sound and and, and, and technician and all of that. And uh, we were on tour for like for like three and a half weeks or so. And then, you know, I would always used to, used to sleep on one of those benches in the van while someone else was driving because we had a lot of like overnight drives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then our, our, our uh, technician said after three weeks, man, if you lie down like this, you know, you should use the seatbelt. Otherwise it will be very dangerous if, if they if someone has to break really hard, you know. I was like, yeah, it, nothing happened on the last tours. Nothing happened for the last three weeks. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then I got like caught up in that seatbelt. <laughs> when I woke up, I couldn't get out anymore, and they had to cut me out of the seatbelt because <laughs> I couldn't get out of it anymore. So this, and then we had to give back the we had to give back the, the the car by the end of the tour, right? And then we said, well, you know, this thing wouldn't open anymore. And they they got a little bit scared that we would sue them or something, but uh, so we didn't do <laughs> anything. But that was like that was like a one story. I think there's there's a lot more, but it was like this is like one of the one of the first things I I, I always remember. Also, I wanted to ask you, when you do have spare time beyond music, uh, what are some hobbies that you're into? Oh, well, uh, there's actually not that much spare time, you know, because being a full-time musician, I basically work on it all the time. But, I mean, I like to do, I like to go out. I live, I live on the countryside, and also I like to go out hiking or mountain biking when the weather is good. Right now, I can't do that because we have winter here now, and it's, it's pretty cold and dark. But usually, I like to do that in the spring and summer and, and also in the fall. Um, and I I like to read. You know, I'm a big fan of like um, science fiction and fantasy and stuff like that. And um, but these these are basically my main my main outside interests of music. Um, I also always wish that someday I I could write maybe a a novel or something like that because I used to write a lot before I got really heavily into music when I was a kid. I used to write a lot, and maybe this is something. I can get back to in the future. I'm not sure about that. I mean, time is always short, right? Uh, life is short. Time is short. You never know. So it's too short for all the things that we want to do. But these are my, my main interests outside of music. I wanted to ask you if I was to uh, come over, what would be the favorite food of the area? Oh, here in in Germany, while well, I'm. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of the German cuisine <laughs> because I think it's a little bit um, 
uninteresting, but I, I really like a, a dish here that that, uh, that is called schnitzel, which is like a, it could be from chicken or from pork, but it is in a, in a form of batter. And they, um, they, they make it in a very traditional way over here. So usually when I have friends visiting from other countries, um, that's usually the, the, when, when they say they want to eat something traditional here, then that's usually what we go for. Very good. And I also wanted to ask you, um, how is the uh, scene there as far as clubs? Um, are a lot of clubs still alive after COVID? I know a lot of clubs in the U.S. Uh, had to shut down because the money wasn't coming in. Yeah, well, it's 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 actually very similar here. Right? A lot of, of the smaller ones went bankrupt. And then now this fall, they started opening up a little bit again. But of course, our European tour with Obscura had been cancelled, which was booked for the fall. Now shows have been cancelled again. And, and there was a, a period, you know, in November where some bands were playing in October. But what happened was also that uh, a lot of people had bought tickets, but they didn't come, right? So only half of the people who actually bought tickets were coming and they and all the calculations didn't work with what the bands got paid and what, what the promoters were happening to sell in terms of drinks and stuff like that. So a lot of it went down the drain. So it's actually very, very sad and uh, and very serious. So we will see we will see what happens in the future. I mean, it's it's uh, it's very difficult to plan anything right now, right? And a lot of clubs. Um, I mean, I haven't. The last time I've seen a show was directly before COVID started. I think it was back in March 2020. I saw the band Stallion, which are here from Germany. And I saw those guys play live, and then I think one week later the lockdown started, and I haven't seen any shows since then. A couple of friends of mine played some shows again, but I haven't really been uh, on the live market anymore since then. I wanted to ask you, uh, what's the best way to get merchandise from the band? Uh, the best way is, is through our Bandcamp page, you know, Eternities and Bandcamp, uh, bandcamp.com slash Eternities End. We have now shirts of the new album art. We sell bundles of the shirt and the CD. The vinyls are unfortunately a little bit delayed, but they should be coming in very, very soon, the vinyls. Uh, we have patches. I will also try, because the first two albums are out of print, um, but I will try to re-release um, the first one through my own label. And get a reprinting of the of the second one from 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 the old label, and also be able to sell those again through our page. So yes, on Bandcamp you find you can find anything that we sell. And I wanted to ask you also along the way, what's the best advice that has been given to you um, along your musical travels? Best advice that was given to me was basically. Um, and I, I don't even remember who said that to me, but like, you know, um, make make music for the for the passion for it, and not because of any expectation what will happen in terms of of maybe commercial success or what what other people think of it or what the reviews. Because you know, I've seen so many bands they they get frustrated because of that because they hope for something really big, and then of course they dream too big there's nothing wrong with dreaming big right but then they they make their well-being dependent on on the expectations if they become a reality and and for me it's like you know i feel blessed that i'm able to do music and everything else you know if i'm if i'm able to to express myself through music and release the music that i want to make everything else if then if people like it or if good reviews are coming or if the band grows and gets bigger that's a plus that's a bonus right but it's not it's nothing that it um depends on for me because I see so many people say oh if I'm not successful with this 
I'm going to stop, you know, but success is such a relative term, you know, because I mean, uh, I think it's, it's already an achievement if you can, if you can release your own music and then if the people who like that specific type of music connect with it, right? But if you dream of the big commercial success and the big stadium tours and things like that, then it doesn't come and then the reviews are maybe not as good as you would expect. And then people stop often because of that, right? But I'm like, that's not the reason why we started doing music. We started doing music because we want to, because we have something to say, because it's, it's a passion, it's, it's something heartfelt, right? And it should never depend on, on any outside factors if, if, if you want to continue doing it or not. As long as you have something today and as long as you to say, and as long as you do it out of passion, basically. Absolutely, I totally agree. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message for your fans, what would that message be? Well, I would, I would say thank you to everyone, you know, who, who supported me through all these different projects with all the different styles over the years, you know, pe people who said something nice about my music, people who helped to spread the word, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for each and every single one of them. I mean, I, I take nothing of that for granted, right? If people invest their time or their money or to, you know, to post something nice about us via our album to write in forums to, to, to spread the word about the band. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it because, uh, yeah, without you guys, we wouldn't be able to, to do any of that. So, so uh, and we never, never ever take it for granted. And I really, really appreciative of every single person who does that. Well, I want to thank you for one, for taking time to speak with me again. And two, I'd like to thank you for alerting me that of your solo work. I can't wait to get off here and yeah, check it out. And let and me know what you think about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope you like it. It's on my Bandcamp page, so you can just Google my name and Bandcamp, and then you will find them. And I recommend Part of the Hero, but you can check out all three of them if you want. Okay, great. I greatly appreciate it. And please feel free to update me at any time with anything new that comes around. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, like I said, my other band, Alkaloid, you're releasing an album next year, but probably it's probably going to be in a year from now or so because it takes a long time with the labels and all. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely know we're in touch now, so I'll definitely let you know as soon as something new is on the horizon. Great, I appreciate it. And uh, you have a great rest of your day. Likewise, likewise. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Likewise, bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And remember, you can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.